Welcome to the Fashira Arc, Arc Number Five, narrated by Sarah. The party, on the brink of exhaustion, desperation, and partially covered in the digestive fluids of dinosaurs, are teleported through time and space by the gods themselves. Although they had been given divine protection and rescued from possible death, instead of getting a moment to rest, the group is thrown into even greater danger. The gods took this opportunity, while the hooded figure was distracted, to send the party to Fashira. Specifically, Leon's former adoptive home and workplace. However, something was fundamentally different about the version of the manor they were sent to, from the one that Leon remembers. Mainly, that this manor was made entirely out of living, breathing, writhing flesh. Confronted with this abomination and its demonic tenants, the gods told them that they had a limited window to get in and out with the final relic. Already running high on adrenaline and not wanting to stay in this warped hellscape longer than they had to, they dashed inside with Leon taking the lead. Using his knowledge of the architecture, he was able to generally point them in the right direction. They quickly made their way, ignoring the monsters, to the hidden underground passage that led to the underground caves that had been used to store people for experiments. Struggling to deal with his guilt and literal ghosts that haunted this house, Leon led the party into the cavern that he had spent his last days in as a human. However, two things were there that should not have been. One was a human Leon, who seemed to know who they were and warned them that there was a trap. The other was a shining shield on the wall within the shape of a sun. Now, while the party could not be certain of the nature of this trap, Leon ignored the puzzle entirely, knowing that if this human was him or not, his death in this cave was important for his redemption. So as they made a beeline for the shield that Leon knew on instinct was his relic, the trap was sprung. In fact, it turned out that this human Leon was a large demon in disguise and had been hiding his actual decapitated corpse from immediate view. Realizing the trap was not immediately successful, the creature attempted to halt the group's progress with sheer force. However, in escaping with the shield, the team realized the pursuit of the demon was much less of a threat due to the narrow hallways of the underground area. But on the other hand, the ghosts swirling about and haunting the pit they needed to cross was another very real threat. Many were pulled down into this pit, and escape seemed almost futile. A large prayer to Saren Ray and some clutch teamwork turned out to be the key to success as they eventually succeeded in escaping the pit. After finally escaping the immediate threats, they took a few moments to breathe and gather their thoughts. The weight of what had just occurred crashed down upon the party. This is one of the first times that the group was forced to face the fact their immortal souls were on the line. However, they knew of their time limit in this world and could not rest any longer. They needed to leave the manor and escape before anyone else took notice of their presence here. Exiting the manor was swift, but upon emerging from the building, they saw the sky was almost pitch black. The sun, partially blocked out by the swarm of demons that had arrived at their location within minutes of their arrival at the manor. To make matters worse, the sea of creatures was being led by a white and black dragon, along with a rider. It was as if a rune lord had stepped out of a fairy tale and was preparing to end their existence. However, before they had a chance to register their certain demise, the gods intervened for a second time that day. The time limit was up, and now the gods were revealing their final trump card. One they had been saving to use just before the final battle. A dimensional pocket that was created to hold Emander's consciousness. The group was now inside Tanigal's relic, Amander's orb. 
Unfortunately, Amander had sacrificed his sanctuary to make this plan work, and now he was using what little time he had left to answer what questions he could. Mostly, he divulged information about the relics, that they were made to exist outside of time as tools to stop the hooded figure. In particular, the relics were created by pairs of gods working together to forge each object with their intentions. He also gave hints to the origins of Orichalcum and how the substance was intrinsically tied to reality and time. When these secrets come to light, Tanigal comes to the realization that her family was not only involved in this conspiracy, but they also knew about the nature of Orichalcum, and it was directly tied to why she was branded and sent on to this destiny. With a touch from Amanda, the tattoo on her back completes, filling with ink in an intricate Aslanti tattoo, now taking up the entirety of her back. As her mentor began to disintegrate, he used the last of his power to safely return them to the future, leaving Tanigal with conflicting feelings of both loss and new information. Oddly, the process of going back to the future this time came with strange amounts of changes. When the party arrives, each of their two personas merge. Jasper was Doldrin, but with all of Jasper's memories. Silbellus was Tanigal, and Tanigal was Silbellus. Coming to terms with this sudden and drastic shift, while also digesting everything that had happened in the jump, was understandably a lot for everyone. It didn't help that they were now also on high alert with anything and anyone associated with the DOW. In fact, their suspicions were only deepened when they found coded messages to them by the still-dead caretakers of the bunker who said they feared sabotage. As burnt out as they were, they grasped at any threat of stability they could find, and those notes and warnings were the closest they would get. The caretaker's code laid out a plan for jumps and that the majority of the calamities needed to be defeated across the world simultaneously for the world to be saved and not fall to pieces. Realizing that they could be amongst enemies, the party tried to convene in a quiet corner and decide what to do. Luckily, the magic casters now had access to a few useful spells. In a whim of desperation, they decided to try to contact the good-natured L they had met in Dofer, hoping to get some answers. What they did not expect were those answers to come from within the bunker. Confused, it quickly becomes revealed that Pinello had jumped back in time using L's face at the direction of the caretakers to help the party. Now having confirmed that there were two distinctly different L's in the past, the party asks her for details on how she jumped in the first place. From this information, they find another way to jump through time. Instead of utilizing the pods, a person only needed a sip of orichalcum and a clear image in their head to make the jump. One vial would be enough for the whole party to jump, and if they played this smart, they could collect vials as they went, and if they played this smart, they could collect vials from the calamities as they went and have plenty to spare. The group decides to use this second method as a way to chain their jumps back all into one, ideally forming a way to stop all the calamities in one point in time. The hooded figure, of course, is never one to allow the party to have a clear path to victory. When Leon attempts to connect to his relic in the future, just before the group jumps, the hooded figure interferes, and with a curse, corrupts Leon's jump. Forced to resort to a previous save state, so to speak, Leon loses two levels. The immense task in front of them was now going to be even more difficult. <laughs> 